You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. We'll get to those stories in a moment, but we want to start with breaking news in downtown Vancouver where a huge tree has toppled in the West End. Global's Catherine Urquhart is there for us uh, right now. And Catherine, what a shock for residents. And this is not the first time this has happened in that neighborhood. That's right, Chris. And this is why residents are so very concerned. Just a few hours ago, this massive catalpa tree behind me came crashing down onto two vehicles. One of them is heavily damaged. Fortunately, nobody was hurt. And it was just a year ago that another catalpa came down and crashed into an apartment building. Now, just a few minutes ago, we spoke to the director of parks with the Vancouver Park Board, as well as the owners of the two vehicles that were damaged here. And here's what they told us. Well, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been like this, uh, this person here whose vehicle is crushed. Mine is just windshield and some cosmetic damage. So We had an arborist from the city come out two years ago, as well as the city arborist come out this past summer. And we were assured that the uh, trees were good for another 10 years. Well, they're inspected yearly. Um, we have a fairly aggressive program trimming these trees and keeping them in good shape, but they are older trees. And we have concerns from residents around the city for various reasons, all the trees, whether it's the size, the variety, um, but we do our job with our trained arbor staff to maintain these trees and we think that they're in good shape. Now, there are approximately 150,000 street trees in Vancouver and they are inspected by about 60 arborists that work for the city of Vancouver. But the question today after this latest incident is, could more be done here to prevent these types of incidents? Chris, back to you. All right, troubling on that street for sure. Thanks very much, Catherine. To Surrey now, where a horrifying scene played out late last night. A home engulfed in flames with five members of a family inside. Two of them got out. Three were trapped. As Lynn Collier reports, neighborhood heroes jumped into action. Five people are inside this North Surrey home as it goes up in flames. A couple in their 80s and three adult children. One of the sons wakes up his parents and they try to fight the fire themselves. We opened the door, uh, in the basement door, and, and the fire was so intense that it's just a waste of time with the fire extinguisher. And the smoke was so intense, uh, you couldn't see. At that point, you couldn't see. Round to the bedroom, get my wife as a door, so we got to get the hell out of here right now. I just grabbed her, dragged her down the hallway, literally dragged her. And hold on, behold, we both fell down because there was a walker there. My wife had hip surgery. She barely walked in front of me. And uh, we tripped over this stupid walker. And then I dragged her down the stairway head first, down to the bottom. And I dragged her in the wrong doorway. He couldn't see nothing. My goodness gracious. Turned around in the smoke-filled room, Vince couldn't find the way out. That's when two neighbors came to his rescue. Vince was right by the door, that's the dad. Got him out, and um, he said he dragged the mom so far kind of thing, so we just went in there and felt our way around. And we went in probably three times, and on the third time, we saw the lady there, and we sort of picked her up and got her outside, right? And the sad part of it is, is my, my son, Richard. We told him, get out, Richard, you got to get out of here. The firefighters had to take him out of there, out of that room. He worked on it for 35, 40 minutes, uh, compressions. And uh, I feel that it's, uh, it's only a miracle that he 
But at least two lives were saved because of two men who don't want to be called heroes. No, not even close. No. Why not? Just get in there and do what you got to do. You know the people. You got to do what you got to do to help, right? So I wouldn't call it a hero. No, far from it. Fire investigators have to shore up the house to make it stable before they can go inside. But at this point, the fire is not believed to be suspicious. Lynn Collier, Global News. Surrey RCMP have released some new images of a person of interest in a pair of sexual assaults against young girls. Two girls were groped in separate locations on October 10th and 17th before escaping to safety. Both victims were able to give police descriptions of the suspect and canvassing by police officers located some surveillance video. Police have now released a still from that video and three different composite sketches. So here's the man. He's described as a Caucasian man, 30 to 4 years old, 5'10 to to 6 feet tall, about 170 to 180 pounds, with brown hair, thick eyebrows, and long ears and earlobes. It certainly appears that we may be dealing with um, a predator here. And if that's the case, we need to bring this person into police custody right away to, you know, uh, ensure the public safety. And more new information tonight on just how dangerous Tuesday's deadly ammonia leak in the town of Fernie was. The bodies of two city workers and an employee of a refrigeration company have only now been removed. And about 60 nearby residents who were evacuated are still out of their homes. Ted Chernecki has the latest. This morning, a hazardous materials unit out of Kelowna was packing up after having successfully participated in last night's body recovery of the two remaining victims inside at about 11 o'clock. At this time, response teams made a decision to change recovery egress route to the main entrance instead of the rear of the building. This allowed us to negate the potential injury or any further danger to our staff. Late today, the name of the second municipal worker was identified as Lloyd Smith, Fernie's Director of Leisure Services. He had moved to Fernie from Okotoks, Alberta, two years ago. The identity of the Simcoe worker from Calgary has not been released. His company vehicle remains at the scene, doors still open. And it was here where Eric Mutcher, an electrician with Cook's Electrical Services, first discovered the tragedy. I guess he had a job at the uh, arena, so he showed up to the front door and it was locked or whatever, so he went around the back where usually the back door's open if there's guys there. And I guess the door was open, so he hollered in to see if anybody's around and he saw one of the guys slumped over or something like that, so he either pulled them out or called 911. Lloyd Smith was also an instructor at the Alberta Association of Recreational Facilities. He taught courses on ice making and had a very close relationship with senior management in Fernie. We lost two incredibly vital members of our team yesterday and we've all been impacted. Tomorrow we will be shutting down all City of Fernie operations to give staff time to process, to grieve and to begin to heal. The grief and the anxiety. What if the ammonia leak occurred during a Kootenai International Junior Hockey game where there could be upwards of a thousand people inside? How easily could that electrician first on the scene have become victim number four? He doesn't want to talk about it. He's a little shaken up. Yeah, I didn't talk to him until the day after, but a little shaken up, but he's hanging in there. It's in thousands of other rinks, and many people have ammonia in their homes. So how dangerous is it? A little later tonight, we'll take a closer look at this everyday product, and we'll talk to Canadian sports legend Karen Magnuson, whose life was changed forever when she walked into a cloud of leaking ammonia gas herself. 
It has been 10 years to the day since the worst gangland slaying in B.C. history, and the mother of an innocent victim is still waiting for justice. On October 19, 2007, six men were shot execution-style inside the Balmoral Tower in Surrey. Two victims, Ed Schellenberg and Christopher Mohan, had no gang ties and were simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. One of the men charged, Jamie Bacon, has been in custody for nearly nine years and is still awaiting trial. His lawyer is asking the charges be stayed, arguing the delays have violated Bacon's rights. For Christopher Mohan's mother, the interminable delays are infuriating. At the moment, everybody's exercising their rights. Christopher's rights are set aside, and I need Christopher's rights to be heard also. It doesn't mean that Christopher is dead and he doesn't exist anymore. He does. His rights still exist. Well, the water has receded across Metro Vancouver from yesterday's big storm and flash flooding. But just wait, round two is coming. Christy Gordon will have more on that a little later. But right now, Aaron MacArthur has the story of one Burnaby neighborhood that will have barely recovered before the next storm hits. 24 hours after Still Creek spilled its banks, crews are still pumping out this parking garage. Yesterday, employees had to rush in to get their cars out from water that was rising fast. My car was on the far side, so I don't know. It was probably just maybe this much up the, uh, the wheel. It seemed like it just took minutes for the garage to fill with water. By the time people managed to get their vehicles out, the water was above their wheel wells. A few minutes later, it was above everyone's head. So down the stairs right now, um, the height of a regular door, the only part that wasn't touched, I just showed my husband, was this much. And um, it's got watermarks, but also like the green weeds all the way up there. The city of Burnaby has spent millions making this floodplain more habitable. Roads have been raised, drainage improved, and yet Wednesday's deluge was too much for Still Creek to handle. Pedestrians were trapped on islands of barely dry ground. Visibility isn't great. Cars are backed up everywhere, and you can't really tell where the deep water starts and begins. Bit of an obstacle course. I had to go up the street through a parking lot, across the creek on a bridge, and then back up the train tracks. I've never seen anything like this. It's quite flooded on this street. And drivers trapped in floating cars. Others trying to push through the flood. ICBC says call volume to the claim center on Wednesday up 7% partly because of the water. If we're, if we're driving through flooded waters, yes, it could potentially save you a few minutes, but it could cause you a, uh, like a world of grief afterwards in, in vehicle damage and repairs. With more rain in the forecast, there is more possibility for Still Creek to become less still than normal. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A lot of people would have caught yesterday's traffic chaos on their dash cameras, which are becoming more and more common on the roads. And now there's a call for ICBC to reduce insurance premiums for drivers who have them. Jill Bennett explains why. Ah, what the f Without this footage, this crash could have been a he said, he said. Instead, it's clear how things unfolded. The crash was captured by a dash cam installed by Black Box My Car, where business is booming. The CEO would like to see customers get an insurance rebate for having the device installed. ICBC doesn't seem to realize or they're not as progressive as any other insurance companies in Russia, UK. 
South Korea and in Thailand. In the UK, having a dash cam when shopping around for insurance can save motorists up to 20%. It's the same in South Korea. Jang says he's constantly being asked here why there are no brakes. Perhaps ICBC can uh, figure out if there is a way that they can make their work more efficient by use of the dash cam. Uh, perhaps it could save them money uh, from insurance fraud, perhaps, or for the sake of drivers who's really not at fault. Red light camera in 180 meters. The technology has improved, with some cameras even warning drivers what's ahead. Still, it doesn't seem dash cam discounts are on ICBC's radar. There is no proven studies to show that dash cams can actually lower your risk of getting into a crash or having your car broken into. Yet another piece of technology that you can install into your vehicle that could serve as a distraction. The minister in charge of ICBC has vowed rates won't skyrocket under his watch and says some technologies are being looked at. In some jurisdictions, they have uh, what's called telematics that records the acceleration and braking and cornering of cars to determine whether someone is a high-risk driver or not, and their insurance rates are adjusted accordingly. But EB says there are no plans to factor in dash cams when setting insurance rates. Jill Bennett, Global News. If you prefer to let somebody else drive, as promised, B.C. Greens leader Andrew Weaver introduced his own bill today to get ride-sharing on the roads in B.C. Weaver tabling his plan after the NDP's controversial decision to break its promise to greenlight ride-sharing and instead opt to study it. I am optimistic that, that government will take a look at this bill and I, there's nothing stopping them bringing it for a debate. Um, we can debate this bill. We can, we can challenge each other. We can see what's missing. We can, uh, we can even send it to committee. I mean, there are so many options that we could have here, and I'm hoping that government will see the, the wisdom in actually debating this publicly because the public wants it. Well, I've talked to Dr. Weaver in the past about what we are planning to do. I look forward to working with him on making sure that we do bring ride-sharing into BC. Do you think this bill will move forward? Will it be debated? Will... That, that's a matter for the House leaders to decide. Well, they worked for months on a promise they'd get paid. Now employees of Istuary say that promise is a lie. The technology company owes nearly $3 million to jilted employees who no longer have jobs, even though there should be plenty of money to settle the debt. What the province is doing now to help workers get the money they deserve in just over a minute. Lots of honking on Beach Avenue in Vancouver today and a lot of drivers asking, why did the geese cross the road? That's coming up on the News Hour. And a downtown Portland parking lot turns into an inferno, the human error that started it a little later on the News Hour. An update now on a global news investigation involving the employees of a Vancouver tech company. The province confirming tonight the owners of Estuary Innovation Group owe nearly $3 million in unpaid wages. Nadia Stewart has more on how the government plans to help recover some of that money. I lost hope like a long time ago. Like. Lost hope he'd ever see, the thousands of dollars owed to him. Manny Panangajendran, one of 158 estuary employees fighting for unpaid wages. He and others forced to look for work elsewhere after the company stopped paying them in May. I don't have any hope like, that the company will pay up because the company doesn't have money. BC's Employment Standards Branch reviewing payroll documents from December 2016 to August 2017. Their conclusion? The company owes workers $2.9 million. 
it is not right. In 2017, a company walks away with $2.9 million of unpaid wages. There was no response on Thursday when we called the company's House Street offices. Our requests for an interview continue to go unanswered. Founder Ethan Sund and the company's officers have 30 days to appeal the Employment Standard Branch's decision. Estuary has developed partnerships with venture capital and private equity funds throughout. Bain says investigators will focus first on seizing any company assets to recover the money's owed. The second is the uh, their officers and their executives see if they have any assets that we can uh, we can uh, you know go after them. And the third thing is that if there are some related companies, uh, the subsidiaries. Uh, who can be brought in and uh, and declare as a single employer. What's more, Sun, his wife, and the company are also the focus of a civil suit filed by three estuary investors who allege their money was used to buy two multi-million dollar homes in Coquitlam. The allegations have not been proven in court. I try to stay optimistic about it. But for former employees like Elaine Lee, the wait for compensation is excruciating. A lot of us have to put our plans on hold. We were going to use that money for something else. It's not happening. Sun has told staff he would be updating them by the end of this week as to when they will be paid. But employees say they won't be holding their breath. Nadia Stork, Global News. On the topic of businesses that just fade away, it's equal parts bargain hunting and preserving a piece of Vancouver history for hundreds of people expected at the liquidation sale of the old Empire Landmark Hotel. A booster seat for my nephew. It's being billed as the largest garage sale of its kind ever in Vancouver. The contents of the hotel's kitchen, bar and restaurant, everything from the 340 guest suites, the furniture, flat screen TVs and thousands of miscellaneous items too. There's a $5 entrance fee for the first four days of the sale, which continues until it's sold out. A bittersweet day for some buyers today. Every birthday my family had was celebrated at Cloud9. And uh, I'm 57, so that makes a lot of birthdays. And uh, I'm just collecting sentimental objects because I'm sad to see it go. And I wonder, I wonder how much of Vancouver that's like this that we're going to let go. Well, it's also the beginning of the end for Sears Canada. Its liquidation sales also, uh, also started today across the country. The signs suggest discounts of 20 to 50 percent off. But many shoppers, including at the Langley location, noted few items were actually half off. Some products, like tools, were marked down only 10 percent. Sears is preparing to close its doors for good at its 74 remaining department stores and eight home stores after 65 years in business. The problem that I found was that it says 20 to 50% off, but everything pretty well is just 20% off. So it's not quite the discounts that they're promising. That'll probably happen in time. I got a car seat. Good deal? Well, yeah, you know, um, I needed one, so it was good timing. Disappointed to see Sears go? Yeah, I used to work for Sears. It was my first real job in Saskatchewan at the call center. So, yeah, it's heartbreaking. And yet here I am being one of the vultures. Gonna miss them. Yeah. Especially small towns who have outlets that are going to close up and people can't get their things delivered. The sales are expected to last between 10 to 14 weeks. A former Olympian recounts her brush with death. I can't even begin to tell you how it burnt. Why the tragedy in Fernie brings back some painful memories 
for figure skater Karen Magnuson. And The Rock keeps the cameras rolling why this isn't your typical traffic jam in downtown Vancouver. As we've reported the news that three people died in an ammonia leak in Fernie has focused new attention on the safety of this common arena refrigerant and household chemical. Linda Aylesworth caught up today with a Canadian sports legend whose life was changed forever by an ammonia gas leak. Uh, this is the Ventolin. This is like for emergencies. Life hasn't turned out the way Karen Magnuson imagined it would. It was uh, pretty devastating every morning sitting down and having a bag of these to you know, have to take. The former Canadian figure skater, winner of Olympic and world medals in the 1970s, was stepping out of her office on her way to teach a class six years ago when her life was forever changed. There was 2,800 pounds of ammonia gas that had leaked from the ice plant into that hallway, which I walked into. It was like a blast. I can't even begin to tell you how it burnt. Karen's injuries left her disabled and unable to work because unlike the diluted liquid form of ammonia used in household cleaning, anhydrous ammonia used for refrigeration is a concentrated gas. When it's inhaled... It's a very violent reaction that actually destroys the cells of the throat and the lung. The cells react by leaking bodily fluid. Why ammonia can be fatal is that the person actually drowns in their own secretions. It's like, like a very bad pneumonia. Huh? You like this? Those who survive are left with a scarred respiratory tract. <clears throat> well, I had to reconcile myself to the fact that I'm going to be coughing the rest of my life. I have a hard time walking. I get out with my dogs four times a day so that I can, you know, get some exercise. But it's, you know, it's changed my life completely. So why is ammonia gas used for industrial refrigeration? One reason is that Freon, once the most popular refrigerant, has been phased out. The other substances aren't as efficient as ammonia for this particular purpose. And there probably is a cost involved as well. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Before we go on, I want to remind you about your chance to win the ultimate rugby fan experience. Tickets to the HSBC 7's Rugby Weekend Tournament in March right here in Vancouver. It's a great party and world-class rugby. Also, you'll get airfare and tickets to the tour stop in Hong Kong. So listen to the news hour for the code word coming up soon and then go to our website to enter the contest. A North Shore rescuer who needs a little help himself. For me... To have to reach out again and ask, it's difficult. Jay Piggott beat cancer once, and he just found out he's going to have to do it again. And later, geese that seem to get confused, stopping traffic on Beach Avenue. Is he? Whoa, geez, whoa. Some dramatic video this morning of a food cart explosion in Portland. The blast took out another food cart and 10 neighboring cars. Firefighters say it was the result of human error. An employee of one of the carts was apparently refueling a generator at the time of the explosion. Crews were able to bring the flames under control in about 15 minutes. Luckily, no one was seriously hurt. One year ago, Jay Piggott thought he was out of the woods. Doctors said the North Shore Rescue team member was cancer-free after the public came to his aid while he fought the disease. But he has since relapsed and is now trying to obtain some expensive treatment south of the border. John Waugh has the story. 
search and rescue member Jay Piggott doesn't care much for odds. After all, what are the odds of finding an injured hiker on a forested mountaintop? Or getting to someone before the deep cold of night sets in. I'm just built that way. They, uh, they, they say beast mode a lot uh, to me, and uh, that's the way I got to go about it. It's the bullish belief that instead of these heroes beating the odds, they simply don't apply to them. That's driving the North Shore rescue member to beat cancer for a second time. I went to the doctor to get checked out, and they found it again. And this time they said it had, it had really spread. The tough news coming less than a year after Pickett was given a clean bill of health. The results of a massive community fundraising campaign that helped pay for a precedent-setting surgery to remove the cancer. It was like all my dreams were coming true. I had my family life back. I had my rescue life back. I was on the line. I was doing rescues. But with any hero's story, there's often a villain. And hepatocellular carcinoma, an aggressive cancer of the liver, is a vicious one. Watching Jay um, deteriorate to some extent in front of my eyes and, and seeing the weight loss, it's not something I would wish upon my worst enemy. His only hope to raise $55,000 U.S. dollars for a specialized treatment scheduled in Seattle for November 15th. Another online fundraising campaign is now online. People can also donate to Jay Piggott in Trust at any Blue Shore financial location. I'm a helper. So for me to have to reach out again and ask, it's difficult. I said to him at one point, what, what, what are you crying about? Why are you crying? And, and he said, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I realize how kind people can be. So this rescue hero is holding on to hope once more. There's still more that has to be done, and, and that's what I'm fighting for now. Hard to be beaten by the odds when you don't believe in them in the first place. John Hua, Global News. Got a lot of people behind you, Jay. Everybody here for sure. The world's biggest online retailer goes shopping. There may be one very lucky winner of a rose, and there's going to be 99 people who go home disappointed. Who really has the best shot at landing Amazon's second headquarters? And why it likely won't be Vancouver. And actor Dwayne Johnson caught in a jam, turning Vancouver streets into his Hollywood playground. Join us tomorrow on Global News Morning. I will be cutting my hair, donating it to the Canadian Cancer Society's Wig Bank program, along with almost 30 other people. Join us tomorrow starting at 5. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The Rock always seems to be making headlines on the Lower Mainland. Find out where the star and other members of Hollywood North were caught in a traffic jam coming up a little later after the forecast. All right, where is Christy, you may ask? She is under Le Grand Chapiteau with another uh, Cirque du Soleil production. Hey, Christy. Hi, Chris. That's right. It's Curios, a cabinet of curiosities. And tonight is the opening night. Now, no one has entered just yet. They haven't opened the doors, but there are some actors behind me starting to get ready. Because of opening night, they'll be putting on some extra performances right here uh, before the actual performance. Uh, before we get into it a little bit more, let's have a look at the weather. I know storm number two passed through yesterday. It's hard to believe, though, because we're still dealing with a lot of rain. What it is is a lot of instability bringing waves of rain one after 
after another. And it's so unstable that we're seeing pockets that are pretty intense. You can see it on the radar, the yellow areas there, and even a number of lightning strikes. So right through until the end of the day tomorrow, expect this same pattern with some dry spells, but then pockets of rain or intense rain and even an isolated thunderstorm possible. And then we're watching storm number three. That is our Saturday, everyone. It is going to be wet and windy, although we are still tracking the actual uh track of the storm. There's a potential that it could drop a little south of our area and so uh, make sure you stay tuned because that may change the forecast a little bit. But this is your tomorrow. So north coast wet and windy. Uh, You have a risk of thunderstorms. Inland regions, some nice breaks. So a lot of the moisture is really going to fall across the coast. There is a slight risk of a thunderstorm in the interior though. Down through the south, a similar pattern. Southern interior drier, mainly cloudy with just a slight risk of a thunderstorm. But further east you go up into the Columbias. That's where you'll see cloud and showers and same for the south coast. So cloud, isolated showers. And when I say that, means rain on and off. And it could be heavy at times with a slight chance of a thunderstorm right through until the end of the day tomorrow. And then Saturday is looking wet. Sunday, mostly wet in the morning, drier later on. And then we're hoping for a beautiful break of ridge of high pressure as we head towards our Tuesday and our Wednesday. So that's what we're looking forward to right now. Happy birthday to Ed Phillips. He's celebrating 100 years. And Ruby Rowe celebrating 102 years together. Now, joining me now is... Don Wilson. Hi. Hi. Assistant uh, Artistic Director for uh, Curios. You know, Don, I'm always amazed every time I go and see Cirque du Soleil. I am amazed. And I think you can't outdo yourselves one more time. And yet you prove me wrong and um, bring out these most amazing acts. What is Curios? How is it going to wow the audience? We are going to prove you wrong again. This is one of the most acclaimed shows from Cirque du Soleil right now. It is beautifully vintage, a stunning original aesthetic. As you know, every show that comes to Vancouver is completely different to the next. And this is no exception. We have surprise acrobatics, things you have never seen before, from a world champion yo-yo artist to a trampoline that stretches bigger than the stage. Propel artists 30 to 40 feet in the air, things you've never seen before, and a lot of surprises. Oh, that's fantastic. No, I can't wait. And also, I understand there's some acts right at the beginning when people are entering, weather dependent, of course. Thank you so much, Don. So, Chris, it is sure to be a spectacular performance, and uh, tonight's opening night runs right through until the end of the year. Amazing. Enjoy the show tonight. All right, thanks, Christy. Hollywood North providing a major star sighting in downtown Vancouver this morning. The crew of the upcoming blockbuster Skyscraper filmed a major traffic scene outside of Rogers Arena. You can see the star right there, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, at the center of the action. Filming continues until mid-November. The plot of Skyscraper is being kept under wraps, but it is described as a hostage action thriller set in China. Got another month of rock spotting around town. Uh, Not the only thing uh, stopping traffic around here. Drivers had to repeatedly slow down and stop along Beach Avenue this afternoon because the geese kept crossing the road. Our camera operator Tony Clark captured the moments a gaggle of Canada geese decided to cross the road and then do it again and again. It was a little tense watching the birds navigating the flow of traffic. Eventually they managed to all make it across safely but then they collectively decided to cross back again. Motorists once again exercising patience as the birds made it to their next destination. Keep an eye out for them down Long Beach Avenue if you can. Squire, how are you? So what is it? Two delightful guys like us couldn't get anybody else to sit at our table? I know. Couple of couple of lonely guys. What's going on here? Yeah, self's enjoying a, a day off. Oh, that's good. Yeah. 
Okay, so um, Canucks are playing in Boston, not going so well tonight. Uh, Seahawks, they're 3-2 and two this year, but you know what? They have not been all that impressive yet. Trying to get better as we go. That, that's really the, the simple focus for us. Coming off a of bye week, Seattle is getting ready to play the Giants, a game the Seattle Seahawks are favored to win. Also tonight, Global Cities courting a retail giant's corporate headquarters. Who's going to win the Amazon lottery? Today's ultimate rugby fan contest code word is Moonlight. Go online and enter the code word for your chance to win. Tune into Global News Hour at 6 tomorrow for another chance to win. Squires here with sports. Kind of a Kind of a wild tilt going on with Boston tonight. Very bizarre first period. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It's not like it used to be. I mean, the ghosts of 2011 are they're gone now. Fading. I mean, there's a few players left on both sides who are around for that Stanley Cup final. But it doesn't have the same feel that it used to. Uh, here's a question, though. Is that win the Canucks had over Ottawa an indication of Vancouver's true self? Or is it a bit of a mirage like that opening night win against the Oilers was? Same lineup that beat Ottawa on Tuesday started tonight's game against Boston, and that included goaltender Anders Nilsson, who in his very first Canucks game got a shutout. So, how did things start for him? Well, he got a goal from an unexpected source, Derek Dorsett. Uh, yeah, a bit of a knuckleball there, hit a Bruins stick. So, one nothing for the Canucks, and then and things begin to unravel fast. Anders Bjork. Not wearing the swan dress, Bjork scores, it's 1-1. Erica Branson, no. Hit Frank Petrano from behind, can't do that. There is a fight right afterwards, but Branson's out of the game and there's a five-minute penalty. And then David Posternock, right, whoa, come on, Michael Delzato. What are you doing there? Puck watching, 2-1. Still on the same power play. It's Bjork again. 3-1 for the Bruins. And then still on that power play. Actually, Travis Green used to play for Boston. David Krejci. Nelson had the shutout in Ottawa. Four goals on 17 shots tonight. One Swedish goalie out. The other Swedish goalie back in. Jacob Markstrom, who started the uh, first four Canuck games of the season. Oh, there's Brad Marchand scoring. So that made it 5-1 for the Bruins. Canucks do have a bit of a rally, though. It's a power play, and it's Thomas Vanek tipping one in. That's why they brought Vanek here. Power play goals, gets in front, he's a big body, and then less than a minute later, actually 34 seconds later, Bo Horvat scores. And it's 5-3. Comeback in the making? Uh, no. There is not a comeback in the making. Another Bruins power play goal. This one by Patrice Bergeron is first of the year. 6-3 at that point. And that is a final. Canucks are off to Boston or make that Buffalo tomorrow. Okay, so i got to show you this. Oilers have struggled out of the gate this year. They're in Chicago tonight, but Connor McDavid. McDavid. Spinning. Wow. Nice. The pass to Patrick Maroon. Spin. And Maroon's right there. Brilliant. And it's 1-1 in the second. Edmonton and Chicago. 
Well, the Seahawks are on the road this weekend against the Giants uh, Sunday afternoon, their first game after having last week off. That break allowed the foot injury suffered by defensive lineman Michael Bennett to heal enough that he should be playing in this game, and that's good news for Seattle with Cliff Averill missing. The Seahawks are listed as four-and-a-half-point favorites for this one. Prepare. Are we are the same that we left? We played a great game against the Rams. Are we going to be able to come back and keep that going? That's pretty much what everybody is asking. Does that week off mean Seattle will be rusty against the Giants on Sunday? Now on paper, coming off a bye week and playing a 1-5 and five team seems ideal. But the Giants did just beat the Broncos in Denver, and they might not be the pushover everyone thinks they are. Most of the games they lost have been by like three or four points, so it's not like they're not a good team. It's just sometimes in the NFL, games come down to the wire, and yet it's who makes the last play, in. and that's been the case for them this year. The Seahawks, on the other hand, have really not shown us their best yet. Yes, they are 3-2, and two, but the offense is 28th overall in the NFL. And in three of five games this year, they have scored 16 points or less. The running game, it's not running enough. And at times, the passing game has been off the mark. But the Seahawks say, don't worry. This is all a work in progress. The two games we lost, we're going against very good, te- two very good teams, um, and and uh, in tough, in tough, you know, situations and tough environments, and uh, we still managed to uh, to to have that fight and, and almost win them, and that's that's what the National Football League is, is like. You, you notice, you look left to the right, you know, there's not, there's no team that's undefeated, there's no team that's perfect right now, and we're just trying to get better as we go. That, that's really the the simple focus for us. It's very simple minded, but we want to continue to have this progression. Okay, so the Cubs broke a long drought by winning the World Series last year. Now, the Dodgers have a bit of a World Series drought as well, albeit not as long. 1988, last time they won the World Series and the last time they were in the World Series. Up 3-1 in this series against Chicago. Enrique Hernandez, solo homer to make it 2-0. Hernandez at the plate again, bases loaded. He does it again. This time it's a grand slam. 7-0 at that point, 9-1 now. If the Dodgers win this, they will be in the World Series for the first time since the late 80s. And just in case you forgot, one more Yankees win, it'll be Yankees-Dodgers. That's right. Haven't yeah. seen that since 81. There you go. The repeat dreams may be over, though. Yeah. Times. Okay, thanks very much, Squire. Here's Jay Durant with a preview of Global News tonight at 11. Thanks very much, Chris. We'll have more on that downed tree in the West End. Has the park board been proactive enough in taking care of aging trees? And pizza with a side of naloxone. An event is being held at UBC tonight called the Naloxone Training Party. They'll be fed and learn an important skill at the same time. The university taking action to educate students about the life-saving antidote. Just another sign of how far the opioid crisis goes. We'll have more on those stories coming up tonight at 11, Chris. Sounds good. Thanks very much, Jay. Amazon gets set to seal the deal on its second headquarters. Does Vancouver have a shot? And if not, who does? That's coming up. But first, let's check in on some of the family events going on around B.C. this weekend. Here's Kasia Badurka. Thanks. Well, so many fun events for everyone, especially in the spirit of Halloween. And spooktacular Newton in Surrey is a great example. The kids will get to trick-or-treat. There will be a petting zoo, a kid-fun zone, food trucks, and a haunted train. Come dressed up. Now it's happening on Sunday from noon till 4 p.m. 
Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a visit to the pumpkin patch at this time of year. It's pretty easy finding one near you. But if you're in the Comox Valley, Coastal Black Winery is holding its annual pumpkin fest this weekend until Halloween. You can expect all the fun things that come with pumpkin patches, including hay rides, a corn and hay maze. It's on from 10 till 4 p.m. and admission is $6. Hey, Friday night, if you want to get your dance on or try something entirely new, consider the two-step and West Coast swing lessons at the OK Corral in Kelowna. It's free, and I'm sure you'll get a great workout, too. It happens every Friday night at 7.45. And I know dancing can be a scary thing for some, but this is far scarier, the ghostly Vancouver tours. Uh, Nearly every night now, leading up to Halloween, especially on weekends, haunted historic walking tours happen across the city. Meetup locations, they depend on the tour that you're taking, and admission is $20. And finally, the Kitsilano Autumn Fair is going on Saturday from 10 till 3 p.m. Just outside of Kit's house on West 7th, the entire block will be filled with fenders, food trucks, a bouncy castle, and carnival games. But don't forget to visit Kit's house. The actual house itself. They'll have live entertainment there and a haunted house. For more info on this and other events mentioned, go to globalnews.ca slash BC. Just before we get to the Amazon sweepstakes, want to let you know the Global BC CKNW Leadership Series continues tomorrow with the second in a series of in-depth interviews with influential BC leaders about what inspires and motivates them where they work. Could be the sports field, the corporate world, or in the BC legislature. This week, CKNW's Simi Sarah sits down with the president of HSBC Bank Canada, Sandra Stewart. So one of the things I counsel people is have a mentor in the organization. Make sure you know someone in the organization that can counsel you, can help you understand the snakes and ladders and, and the lattice and the politics of the organization and how to navigate it. But a sponsor is someone who recognizes talent, recognizes ability, and says, I'm going to get that person on my team, or I think they will succeed on that team. And they help your career progress through the organization. And the interesting thing about a sponsor is you don't always see it. It's someone who sees you, and they recognize talent. And later on in your career, you might recognize that, hey, that was a sponsor for me. A lot more of that conversation with Sandra Stewart tomorrow at 10.30 a.m., and throughout the weekend on our 24-hour news channel, BC One. Now, the wooing of the world's biggest online retailer is officially over. Amazon is looking for a second home and bidding closed today in the competition. Cities across North America, including here in BC, are all in the hunt. But what are our chances of winning on this side of the border? If I can draw a parallel to the television show The Bachelor, there may be one very lucky winner of a rose and there's going to be 99 people who go home disappointed. That's at least one way the race to woo Amazon is being described. More than 100 communities across North America are expected to put it all on the line to house its second headquarters, several on this side of the border. Generally speaking, Toronto tops the list, but not far behind it. Ottawa. And the only reason why Vancouver doesn't make more lists is that it's just too close to the current Seattle headquarters. Also in hot pursuit of that corporate rose and the revenue it could generate, Montreal, Edmonton, Calgary and Halifax. Toronto has a very strong, one of the fastest growing tech markets in North America. Uh, The airport has a very impressive roster of nonstop flights to major global markets. Toronto's bid touts the merits of a populous city and its bustling suburbs with existing and new sites pitched. I think our chances stack up well against any other city, Canadian or otherwise, because we've got a talent pool here that is deeper and broader 
than anybody else. Canuck competitors are getting creative in a bid to catch the eye of Amazon boss Jeff Bezos. Certainly people have seen on Twitter uh, the chalk drawings that we have on the sidewalks. Uh, we have approximately 200 of them in and around the Amazon campus in downtown Seattle. Amazon's HQ2 will see as many as 50,000 people hired for full-time positions. Even if a union with a Canadian counterpart doesn't come to fruition, this analyst believes there's value in having been considered at all. Even being in the discussion provides Toronto, provides Calgary, provides Montreal, a very powerful, provides Vancouver, a very powerful platform to make its case to a North American site selection audience. A decision gets made next year. Shalima Maharaj, Global News.